Today's sermon title is Speak Up. And I kind of baited y'all a little bit because speak up in the means that I meant it is speak up. If I would have titled it prayer, half of you guys would be like, oh, I'll watch it later online. No, no, not, not you guys, not you guys, not you guys. But today we're going to be talking about prayer, and it means that you need to speak up. I want to start with a story. And uh, there was a gentleman, a pastor, back in the early 1900s. His name was uh, Reverend Dr. Wilbur Chapman. That sounds, sounds catchy, right? He was 26 years old when he was called to be the pastor of the Wanamaker's Church here in Philadelphia. His, first, his very first Sunday at the church, a very elderly man approached him, right? So I can imagine him, you know, pre- you know prepping his sermon for months. This is his first Sunday. He's a young guy. He's 26 years old, and he's about to pastor this this, at the time, very prestigious church. And so he, he, he goes there, he gives, his, he gives his all, and afterwards, here comes this very elderly man walking up to him. And he says, he goes, uh, Pastor, you're much too young to be the pastor of such a fine church like ours. At this moment, this pastor's like, man, this dude, out of all the guys, you know, like here, here, you know, here comes this guy. You know, maybe, you know, maybe he's, maybe he's not all there. Maybe, you know, maybe I'll excuse him. Maybe it's, you know, maybe he doesn't realize what he's saying. He goes down the list. He's trying to keep his, you know, I mean, he's 26-year-old. You, know, you guys all remember when you were 26. Some of you guys are like, I'm not there yet. 26 years old, and he takes a pause, but the good thing is that he did pause and not answer right away, because the old man continued with this. But he continued, and he went on and said, so, so what we have decided to do is pray for you, and pray that the Holy Spirit power fall on you each time you step on this pulpit. I have already teamed up with one gentleman to pray for you every Sunday. At this point, the pastor's like, you know what? He's going to be praying for me. All right. You know what? It's good. You know, I mean, he has something to say, but at least he's going to pray for me. All right? All right. The pastor, Pastor Chapman, he, he later reported that those two men ser- soon turned to 10 men and soon turned to 20 men and soon turned to 50 men It didn't stop there. And then those 50 men turned to more than 200 men. Listen to this. That would come to the church early to pray for their pastor. That the Holy Spirit fire fall on him every time he stepped on the pulpit. The church goes on to report that over the next three years, just three years, just three years, more than 1,100 people came to know Christ. And more of them, of that 1,100, you know how like the female to male ratio, always more women than men? 
the majority were men. Kind of jealous here. I don't know. I, mean, I would love to, you know, I don't know. I, I would like people to be praying for me. No, you know what? There are people praying for me, and, and I, I appreciate, I appreciate those that pray for me. I do. Okay, focus. The focus is the power of prayer. The power of prayer. Today, today we end our journey in the book of James. Some of you might be relieved. Some of you are like, no. We have learned so much. I was having dinner with, we were having dinner with our children last night. Well, our, our adult children. And uh, we were saying that, that even, I have learned so much. Like, I have learned so much. I continue to learn. I continue to grow so much. Being joyful in the storms of life. Being blessed as we endure temptation. Being quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Not just hear the word of God, but obey it. That was, that was a big one. You know, we all hear things, but are we doing it? Are we submitting? Impartial faith, not favor, no favoritism within the body of Christ. Not by works that we're saved, right? But it's a result of being saved that those works should naturally come. The untamable tongue and how powerful it is for the good and the bad. Discussing the difference between godly and demonic wisdom. Talking about that we're not here to judge, that he is the judge. And if we judged, <laughs> if we judge, we will be judged. Going and talking about his plan versus our plan when things just don't go our way. And last week, what to do when dealing with oppression. I don't know about you guys. I really don't know. I really don't know if you have not grown spiritually as a Christian after 13, 14 weeks. I want to boldly say you were not listening. You were not listening. And I encourage you to go back and listen. Listen and apply. Yo, this is so easy. Some of you guys are like, I want to grow in my relationship with God. I want to grow. I want to grow. You don't want to listen. Listen. It's, it's there. There's a library. I mean, Dennis has made it that you have YouTube. You have Facebook. You have podcasts. I mean, there's all sorts of ways to listen to this. The podcast, you don't got to see me. You know, you don't got to see me on the podcast. You can just listen to it in case you don't want to look at me anymore. But go back and grow. Go back and grow. 
James must have been thinking, you know what? I got to wrap up this letter with something good. I mean, I mean, look at all the things that he covered in this letter to the church, right? So he's probably going back like, you know what? I got I to gotta wrap this up really good. I mean, I've already talked about everything. What is the main, what is something like that can just seal the deal in this letter? Perhaps he was thinking he had to end it with a bang. Or perhaps he was thinking, let me just leave this at the end because some people, not me ever, will start a book and skip to the end to see how it ends. Well, if you just happen to skip and go to the end of James, you're going to encounter this powerful message. James was not going to end his letter without addressing prayer. James wants us to believe in prayer. And one of the reasons I feel that some of us fail to pray is because we just don't believe in prayer. Do you, do you understand? Some of us don't pray because we don't believe in prayer. Oh, come on. How do you say I don't believe in prayer? Of course I believe in prayer. I mean, God, you know, pray. We talk to God. Do you truly believe what prayer can do? If you did, then you'd be praying more. Some of us say, well, what good does it do to pray? What's the point? Questions that either you have said or someone very close to you has said. We've heard someone say this if it wasn't us. Let's turn to the book of James, chapter 5. Just quite, just, I'm just curious. I mean, this is just for me. For me. Who has the actual Bible in the church? Can you, can you raise it up? Can you raise it up? I just want to, I, I know, I know it's a tech, I, Pastor, I got it in my phone. I know, I know, I know. I just want to see. Can you, can you, real quick? One, two, three. All right, all right. All right, thank you, thank you. That's it, no comments, no comments. I, I'm not against the phone Bible. I use it all the time. I use it all the time. I'm just, I, just, I was just curious. Chapter 5, James, chapter 5, verse 13 to 18. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him sing. Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you, may that you may be healed. The effective, the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. Again And again, and he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Amen. What is James telling us about prayer? In the first few verses of our text, James already answers the question of, well, when should we pray? When should we pray? When should we pray? But, but, but when? I mean, I always, but when? When do we pray? He starts off by saying, are any of you suffering? 
Are any of you guys going through some tough times? Are any of you guys going through some hard life issues? Anybody? Anybody going through anything? You got to put your hand up. All right. All right. You know, we, one, two, three, four, five, six. A six. Seven of us are going through real life stuff. Man, we got to pray that we're like everybody else, the majority. Lord, take away my suffering. He said, if any of you guys are going, are in times of trouble, this was something that James knew was common in early Christianity. You see, we think we got it hard. We think, we think we're suffering. Oh, God, the Wi-Fi doesn't work here. What am I going to do? Tear my robe and shave my head. I got no internet. Right? Man. Man, I got no reception here. I'm cut off from the world. Our suffering is a little different. Our suffering is a little different from the suffering of the early Christians. Instead, those early Christians were were, were hiding and running and being careful because they were being persecuted. They were being rounded up and thrown into coliseums to be entertainment while lions and bears would tear them up and eat them for the public to see. They would throw them into the ring while gladiators would chop them up and stab them and beat them and bruise them and all this. If anybody ever has, has ever owned a snake, I, I, I like snakes, but we can't have one because my wife is like, you know, no snakes in the house. Okay, babe, no snakes. I love snakes, which is weird because, you know, a snake, but pastor, the serpent, Genesis, I know, I know, I know. I like reptiles, I do. And I used to have a python, and it was fascinating. Oh, don't look at me like this. But it was fascinating putting the mouse inside. Nobody? Thank you, Caesar. Thank you. Thank you. It was fascinating. Listen, I didn't make the snake that way. God did, okay? I didn't create the chain of life. God did. Anyways, it was always fascinating seeing my python do the hunt and eventually eat the mouse. <laughs> it was fascinating. And um, unfortunately, it fascinated those that were not Christians to see Christians murdered. You see? Can you imagine? I know the comparison is two different things, but yeah, like I, I, don't, I don't mind seeing, you know, a mouse being eaten. But I could never imagine enjoying watching people, defensive people, being murdered and, and tortured like that. This is what the church had to deal with back then. They were oppressed. Those that were serving God, those were Christians, they were taken advantage of by their masters by their bosses we talked about oppression you know last week they wouldn't get paid what they were supposed to get paid they would work hard and not get what they deserve oh because you know those those are christians you know we're just going to take advantage of them they went through oppression they went through persecution 
They went through real life stuff. I mean, James, remember, he's talking to them because he knows this. James 1, chapter 1, he says, remember, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. He said in chapter 5 last week, for examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Many of them suffered. He was trying to say, listen, we're, I know you're suffering, but you're not alone. He goes, he goes so pray. Pray when you're going through times like this. Pray when things are hard. Pray. Pray when you're suffering. Some of us are already thinking like, oh, Pastor, when I'm going through hard times, that's when I do pray. It's easy to pray when we're going through some rough patches in life. It's a no-brainer. Pastor, I don't know why you're telling me to pray when things get hard, because for sure, you know I'll be the first one, bam, on my knees when I'm going through stuff. It's a no-brainer. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad that you think that way. I am. I am. Because you know who to turn to in times of trouble. So I'm not going to come at I'm not gonna come at that right now. I'm not going to come at that right now. I just, I'm just glad that you do. You're turning to the right person. You are turning to the right person. But not everybody thinks the way that you do. You see, there's two ways we can respond to affliction. There's two ways that we can respond to those hardships in life, through, through the suffering in life. And one of the ways is to blame God. This is your fault. You did this, God. Why me? This is, you know, oh, I would never say that. Sometimes we don't say it, say it. We just live that out. You know, this is very common response when we lose a loved one. It's a common response. God, how can you do this? How can you do this, God? You lose a job. God, this is your fault. Okay. And so as a result, (laughs) we punish God. I I laugh and I put quotations. As a result of the things that we do, we blame God and then we punish him by distancing ourselves from God. We stop going to church. We stop serving. We stop congregating. We stop, stop, you know, uh, praying. We stop doing all sorts of things because, you know what, it's God's fault that this happened in my life. So, you know what, God, you know, I don't need you. That's one way to respond, and then the other way is what we're more, at least those sitting here in the house today are more uh, used to doing, is that we go to God to get relief from it. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 says, Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. This is Paul. Paul is saying, I got this thorn in my flesh, and it's bothering me. I'm suffering because I don't want it. I don't want to be like this. I don't want to do this. And it's there. And he said he prayed three times. He turned to God for relief, whatever that thorn is or was. 2 Samuel 12, 16 says, David, therefore, pleaded with God for the child. And David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. 
here is David. David, he does the bad thing, and he sends Uriah to die, and he takes Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. He gets her pregnant. Well, you know, he got her pregnant first, and then he sent her husband to die, right? And she falls ill. The baby is ill. And he turns to God, and he prays for this child. He prays for this child. He sought relief by going to God, even though he knew he did something wrong. Sometimes, sometimes some of us, we don't turn to God because of the guilt that we did what we did. Like the guilt and the shame keeps you from going to God because you know that you may have deserved what you got. Matthew 26, 39 says, He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, as, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus himself, before, the cru- before being crucified, knowing the pain, knowing the suffering that was on the way, knowing what he would have to endure, he turned to God for relief. Now, some of you that know these scriptures are like, Pastor, but uh, the thorn was never removed. David's first child died, and Jesus still got crucified. There's a point to this. There's a point to the fact that perhaps answer prayers don't look the way we think they should look. And we'll come back to that in a few. When else do we pray? We pray when we are happy, when we're joyful, cheerful, when things are going good. Pray. The verse actually says to sing psalms, but a psalm, what is a psalm? It's a poetic composition for use in the praise or worship to God. If you read the psalms, if you read them, you will see it's full of prayers. Prayers of joy, prayers of thanks, prayers of appreciation. When we are happy, James is saying, you know what? You need to pray too. When things are going good, you need to pray too. Are you praying when things are going good? And I'm not just talking about like, you know, you get a check in the middle like, oh, praise God. No, no, not that. that. That's not a prayer. Like, are you praying when things are going well in your life? Are you giving him thanks? Are you truly like, are you going before him, worshiping who he is in the time of your goodness? When things are going good for you. Man, God, you are so good. Because I don't deserve any of this, but you are the man. Yo, you must love me so much. Are you having these conversations with God? He tells us to pray when we're suffering, to pray when we're happy and cheerful, to pray when we're sick. Who has ever gotten sick before? (laughs) It's funny because, you know, on the islands, people think they don't ever get sick. 
I go visit my family, like, oh, I don't get sick at all. I never get sick. You see, I drink this, and I do this, and I mix this. I'm like, you have gotten sick. Just stop. Those who are sick are to call for the elders of the church to allow them to pray for them and anoint them with oil and, the pra- and, and, and that the prayers of faith will hear the sick. I want to talk about this for two seconds. Again, this is where I add in Tuesday nights. Some of us are sick physically. We are sick spiritually. We are sick mentally. And we refuse to go before the elders and the leaders of the church and say, you know what? I'm a mess. Pray for me. Anoint me with oil. You know what the coolest thing is? You will have that chance today before you leave. You will have that chance today before you leave to be prayed for and anointed for by the leadership of this church. We have to remember, though, that although it says, you know, the elders of the church, the focus isn't that these elders have these superpowers. And this is something we have to understand. It's not that the leaders and the elders have a superpower. It's that, the, it's that the elders and the leaders should, at that point in their walk, understand the power of prayer. And so when they are praying for you, they are praying with the faith, knowing, number one, who are they praying to, and number two, knowing that he is capable to do all things. There's a power in that. Now, the prayer will save the sick because God has promised to answer our prayers. Luke 11, verse 9 says, And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. We love verses like that. I love it. The next verse is 1 John 3, 22. It says, And we will receive from him whatever we ask. It would be great to stop right there, right? But I can't stop right there. Because we obey him and do the things that please him. Yo, he will give you what, yo, can you? We don't get that. So many of us are lacking in our lives. And I'm not going to preach a prosperity gospel. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And I'm not talking about material things. I'm not talking about, I'm just talking about we lack so much. What? I can't tell, tell, I can't tell the truth? Because, you know, that's real catchy and flashy, you know? Do you know, do you know, I'm going to give you an English teacher when you use a uh, symbol to, to make a point, a metaphor, the carrot and the stick. That's what prosperity gospel is. I promise you this carrot. You can get this carrot. You deserve this carrot. This and that. And then you're chasing the carrot. You're chasing a carrot as opposed to understanding who holds the carrot. Do you understand that? Do you, do you, do you see how we can get sidetracked when you're not firm in your walk with God? That's why it's important that you don't just listen to me on Sundays, but you got to get into the Bible yourself. You've got to understand because so quickly you will get sidetracked. So quickly the, 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 the glittering bling will get, you know, oh, uh, yeah. Scroll, scroll, scroll. 
that's how it is. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. Okay, listen. Now it's obvious that not everyone you pray for, not everything you pray about is received or done. If you guys know, um, my sister passed away from cancer about two and a half years ago. It's been about two and a half years now, almost three. And I'm going to tell you, I prayed so hard. Prayed so hard. God, she's so young. You know, she was younger than me. I was like, God, she's so young. She's got little kids. She got little kids, and she had just given birth. I'm talking about, like, they found the cancer as she was giving birth. Like, that's why they found the cancer, right? So she had an infant, newborn, and two little kids. And I'm like, God, you, this can't be your will. Like, so we're praying. We're praying for healing. We're praying for no more pain. We're paying, praying for no suffering. I mean, that's what I pray for, no pain, no suffering, that she be healed from cancer. God answered my prayer, but he didn't answer it the way I thought and the way I wanted. I wanted him to answer the prayer and for her to still be here with me. He answered that prayer as he took her to be with him. Some of us don't understand that. We pray that God heals somebody, but she is healed because she has no pain. She is no longer suffering, and she does not have cancer. So thank you, God, for answering my prayer. Many times our prayers are not always answered the way we want or the way we desire. And we struggle with even praying because it's a discouragement to us. Whenever we pray, we must pray God's will be done. This goes like two weeks ago. Remember his plan versus our plan? And this is hard to do. This is hard to do because, like I said, we want what we want, you know? You know, when that promotion is coming up or the job is coming up, or it's not, you're like, Lord, you know I want this job. You know it will be best for me. Like, we're telling him. Like, you're like, you know this is the best for me. You know, God. You know, and we try to bargain with God, right? Like, come on, just, just hook me up, God. Just hook me up. And we don't get that job. Or we lose the job. Or we don't get the promotion. But you understand that there is a freedom in praying for his will. Because when we start praying, Lord, you know I want this. Because we could be honest to God. You could be honest. God, you know I want this. Just like Jesus was like, you know I don't want this. Jesus was like, God, you know I don't want to do this. But your will be done, not mine. When we pray, let us pray, God, you know I may want this, but Lord, your will be done, not mine. James reminded us this in the last chapter, in chapter 4, verse 15, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or do that. Another time we pray is to ask God to forgive us of our sins. Acts, 20, Acts chapter 8, 22 says, repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you of your evil thoughts. I like this because this is a conversation between Peter and Simon the sorcerer. Good story. You should check it out in Acts chapter 8. But uh, 
he's talking to Simon the sorcerer. He turns around. He's like, yo, you, yo, you need to pray. You need to pray and repent. And hopefully God will do something with your life. Your heart is wrong. Your heart is dirty. Your motives are wrong. Repent. If we sin, which we all sin, what separates us from those that don't know the Lord is that when we sin, we should be praying for forgiveness. Because we're all going to sin. We're all going to fall short. And what makes us different is that when we do, we realize, ah, I shouldn't have done that. Lord, sorry, forgive me, help me not to do that again. Right? That's what separates us from the world. Some people in the world that don't know God or have a relationship with them, what they'll do is they'll just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. I mean, Christian, at least we should be doing this if you're not doing this, right? James is telling us to pray when suffering, to pray through tough times, to pray when you're happy, to pray when you're sick, to pray when we sin. And if you sum this all up, this is pretty much telling you you need to pray all the time. All the time. James continues on in verses 17 and 18, and he says this. He goes, he goes um, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it didn't rain on the land for three and a half years. He prayed again, and the rain and heaven gave rain, and the earth produced fruit. Notice that James makes a point here. He's pretty much like saying, look, check this out. Elijah, which by the way, was human, just like you're human, just like I'm human. Elijah, which was a man, just like you're a man, and I'm a man. Elijah, that was just normal, just like all of us, he prayed. And when he prayed, God held the rain back for three and a half years. He's explaining that there's a power in prayer that you also have access to. It wasn't just, it wasn't somebody, you know, magical that showed up and that they were able to do this because they had special powers and you don't. This is saying that a normal human being had a conversation with God and said, God, you need to do something right now. You need to hold the rain. And God said, I got you. And he held it three and a half years. And then he went back and was like, all right, all right, go ahead, God. Let it rain. And he sent the rain. Just like us. We, too, can pray and experience the power of God. Sometimes we don't feel like it can be us. We feel like, well, I don't know enough Bible. I don't go to church enough. I don't do this. And we go down the list of all the reasons why we think that there is no power in prayer if we were to talk to God. Come on. I can't pray like that. I don't pray enough. God won't listen to me. All the lists. We can make a list. How many times have you felt that powerful things can't happen through your prayers? I'm going to tell you how I know that you guys think this sometimes. <clears throat> bling, bling, bling. Hello? Pastor, I need you to pray for this. Okay. I will pray for that. Have you prayed? Well, uh, I, was, I was calling you, you know, because, you know, you're the pastor. I was, like, I was like, yo, I don't have any special magic powers. Like, 
like my prayer is the same as your prayer. Do you understand that? I want y'all to get this. Listen, I told y'all last week, I'm not, I'm not training y'all to be, to be dependent on me. I'm training you guys to be strong, warrior-like Christians that will stand firm even on your own. And so that's why you got to know that your prayer reaches God just the way that mine does. And I don't have the express line. I don't have like the, the, the bat line that goes to a whole different line. I don't have that. We call them the same number. All right? We all got the same number. Those are lies. Those are demonic lies that want you to think that you can't pray to keep you from praying. Because the more people praying, the bigger the headache Satan has. Matthew 21, 22 says, and whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Believe. Are we believing? Okay. If we're going to pray at all times, we're going to pray when we're suffering, we're going to pray when we're sick, we're going to pray when we're happy, we're going to pray when we're, you know, to, to ask forgiveness of the sin. If we're going to do this, right? I know when to pray. Okay, I get it. And I know that there's power in prayer. Okay, I get it. Then, then I, I, my, my thing is this. If, you, if we know this or we've heard this, because I know this is not the first time you guys are hearing this. If we understand that prayer is tapping into the supernatural, prayer is tapping into the supernatural then why is it that so many of us still don't pray? Pastor, we pray, we pray. Listen, I'm going to say this. My wife, she gave me the look. My wife, she can, she has like a sixth sense. When I don't read my Bible or pray like I should be doing. Does that make sense? Like, like it's weird. It's weird. I mean, it, it doesn't come off too friendly sometimes. Like, oh, Yo, you need, have you been praying or reading? Because you don't, I don't know. I don't know. You seem like you've fallen off or something. <laughs> you know, the neck, the attitude, everything, right? But there's a feeling that she gets, and I believe it's the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I know the Holy Spirit uses her to keep, to keep us, you know, accountable, right? And the thing is, it's like, it, it's like understanding that, that there's something lacking. And so wh- the reason why I say that is that there's a sense, right, that from up here, I can tell if the whole body is praying. If the whole body was praying in the manner that James is telling us to pray, believing in the manner that James is telling us to believe, understanding who you're praying to and what God can do, if the body was praying this way, then number one, nobody would fit in this place. Number two, you would feel like you wouldn't be able to walk into the doors. You would not be able to walk in the doors and still be sick, to still be bound, to still be dealing with all sorts of junk in your life because you will be healed, set free, delivered. There will be revival that won't even be contained in the church. It will be spreading and spewing out all into the community, all into the city if the body of Christ was praying. 
that. It's not something that's unattainable. That's not unattainable. Why is it that we don't have a vibrant and steady prayer life? What are the obstacles that we face to prevent us from having the prayer life that God wants us to have? If you take a moment, I bet you a a bunch of us can make a list. Well, I don't pray all the time because, you know, this, this, kids, work, job, no time, blah, blah, blah. We can all make a list. We can all make a list. But I want to mention three things. Fast. I'll mention three things. Sorry, I'm just making sure of my time here. I don't want to keep you guys too late, right? Number one, one of the reasons is because we don't think, it's because we think we're independent. Let me explain this to you. I can do it on my own. One of the reasons we don't pray is that we feel like we're doing just fine. I don't need God. Now, None of us would actually say, God, I don't need you. But again, it's how you live your life. It's the fact that you don't turn to God to, to, to consult with him. You do not say, hey, this or, you know, God, this. Like, you don't pray, and so you don't have that communication with God. And so, therefore, without actually saying it, you're showing that you don't need God. You're telling God that I can live my life without you. I can live my life without you, God, so I don't, we don't need to talk. We don't need to talk. We don't need to consult. I don't need your direction. We tell them, we tell them with our actions by not praying that I have the power and control that I need for my life. I'm smart enough. I can make my own good decisions. I don't need you. What can keep us from experiencing the power of God through prayer is that we don't see our need for complete dependence on God. We don't see it. We don't understand it. Some of us are just not willing to to surrender, whatever the case may be. Some of us refuse to be dependent on God because we just don't want to be dependent on nobody. I don't want to be dependent on nobody. We see this in marriages, in the beginning of marriages, like, you know, like, well, I don't want to depend on you. I'm my own person. Okay. Well, remember, y'all won now. Won. We see it all the time. I don't, I'm dependent. I don't need anybody. And it transfers over into your spiritual life. When you are living a life fully dependent on the Lord, then you will be praying and making sure that it's him controlling your every decision, your every move. The second reason why we don't pray is because of knowledge and logic. Hear me out on this. Hear me out on this. I don't want to target any specific groups, but hear me out on it because it's a problem in today's world. So even with some older people and younger people, it's a problem with today's world because we have so much access to information. We have so much access to knowledge. Everything has to be logical, right? And so what happens is, uh, what happens is, you know, um, it causes us to think that God isn't sovereign over all of it because it makes sense. 
Since I can explain my illness, since, since the doctors explained all the details to why I'm sick, God does not have the power over it. Since I can explain the natural disasters that are happening around the world today, since they make sense, since the scientists have, have shown me exactly how it makes sense, God has no power over it. Since we can explain this COVID-19 virus and this epidemic, and we see the numbers, and we see the facts, God has no power over it. This has been a very trying and testing time for the body of Christ. We know it's real, right? I think 90% of us got it. We know it's real. But some people, because of all the logic and all the knowledge and all the information and all the, 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 the stuff, well, you know what? It is what it is, and God has no power over that. Many people won't pray just because they understand it. Just because it makes sense to you, you just won't pray about it. Like, you know, like, oh, well, you know, I can't pray about it. it just, that's just the way it is. That's, that's, it makes sense. It makes sense. And we think that either God isn't behind it or we think that God can't change it because it makes sense. Bro, Elijah prayed for the, for, for the rain to stop and it stopped three and a half years, right? If there were meteorologists back in the day with all the technology that we have, they would say, well, <clears throat> according to our calculations and our studies, what happened was there was a high-pressure system coming in from the north, and at the same exact time, there was heat rising from the south, and blah, 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 and then, a, and then a dry wind was coming from the east, and it pushed all the moisture this way, and it just kept happening for three and a half. They would try to make sense. And there will be people watching that news report, and they'd be like, oh, that's why. That's why, that's why it didn't rain for three and a half years. That's why this is happening. That's why we're sick. That's why we're bound. This is why we can't do this, and this is why we can't do this. You know what? It just makes sense. We might as well not pray for it. The fact of the matter is that rain or not or no rain, God was behind it all. And he still is behind it all. Dude, we need to be so careful. Please, please, church, be careful that we don't, we don't, uh, uh, that God isn't confined just to the unexplainable things in our life. It's easy to put God, oh, God, God, come in here, come here, because this don't make sense. This don't make sense, God, come in here. And we bring God into the things that don't make sense only. And God is like, bro, I, I'm in that too. Matter of fact, like, I, I'm over it. I'm over it all. The things that don't make sense and the things that do. The third reason why we don't pray. And this is hard to, to say like this, but I include myself in this. We don't pray because we are a faithless generation. You know I'm so sick and tired of hearing my dad tell me stories 
hearing Camille's stories of her grandparents, of what the grandparents did, what God did. Come on, Dennis. Come on, Erica. You know what I'm saying? You, you guys know. You, Tracy, you know what I'm talking about. The things, the things that we hear of God doing or God, what God once did. What he used to do in church services, what he used to do in deliverance um, um, nights, what he used to do in revival services, what he used to, what he used to, what he used to. It's the same God today. What has changed? The fact that we live in a generation today, again, with so much information, with so much knowledge, with so much logic, our faith is not what their faith used to be. Some of us would criticize the past generations and say, oh, they were, they, were, they were not as smart as we were. We have the audacity to say they were not as smart as we were. We have more information now. I'd rather have the faith that they had than the information we have. We hear stories of like, yo, you hear stories of addictions broken instantly. You hear stories of, of, of cancer being healed instantly. You hear stories of, of un- uneven arms and legs being healed, corrected instantly. Terminal diseases healed instantly. The church being delivered of, un- of the ungodly spirits that we have grabbed onto instantly. That the demonic presences in the, in the, in the, in the, 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 the demonic in the presence of, of the Holy Spirit could not stay still. And they would manifest and people were set free that day. Mm. 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 We don't have the faith. We are a faithless, faithless generation. We have faith to the things that make sense. We pray for things and we say, God can do that. I have faith that he can do it. Well, because it's doable. God can give me this promotion. Because it's doable. You can get that promotion. We aren't praying prayers of stopping rain. We aren't praying prayers of that move mountains. We're not praying prayers that part the seas. We're not praying prayers like that because you know what? That's that's that, that's not you know. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, I know he did it before, but I don't know if you know he could do things like that now. And our faith keeps us from praying those prayers. I try praying and I don't get the answer I wanted. I try praying and God doesn't answer at the time I wanted. Have you ever said or heard someone say, "I'm praying, but nothing is happening"? In this instant world we live in, you know, microwave, instant coffee, we feel like we go to God for prayer and we go, okay, let's go. Let's go. I pray, God. Let's go. As if God, you know, was in the fast food business. We just want to push a button. This attitude reflects faithlessness. Not having faith in a God that knows it all. Not having faith. To, know, to understand that what we need, that he, understand, he knows what we need and when we need it. Not having faith in a God that knew us even before you existed. In all three circumstances, we see that the power, that, that prayer requires faith. We need faith to believe that God, that, that we can't do everything on our own. 
We need faith to believe that we ourselves are not capable of doing what God does. We need faith to understand and believe that although we can, we can explain things, God is ultimately still behind it. We need faith to believe that prayer isn't just words in the air, but that it enters and reaches the very throne of God who listens and responds. In closing, I'm going to close here. Here's the thing. God expects us to pray. He expects us to pray. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done, which aligns with my beautiful wife, what she had opened up with this morning. Since God expects us to pray, we shouldn't be surprised that James chose to end his letter with the topic of prayer. James doesn't just tell us to pray. He tells us that prayer actually works. When we pray, we are tapping into the most powerful force in the universe, God himself. Can you guys stand with me this morning? It's interesting because whenever we have sermons of prayer, it doesn't really rile the crowd up. Even though you guys were good this morning. Yeah, you guys. And I was thinking about that. I said, why? Why is that? A couple things came to mind. Sometimes it's because some of us may be feeling guilt or shame at the moment. Hey, I don't pray like I should. And so you sit there in that that thought of letting God down, that you don't speak with him, that, that doesn't cause an emotional outburst. You're just kind of like taking it in, right? Taking it in and meditating. And some people fall into the category that we mentioned earlier that, all right, they're talking about prayer, but I prayed once and my father wasn't healed. I prayed and my sister still died and I, I prayed and this still happened. And so you sit there and you listen and say, well, I, I tried that. I tried that. And so you sit there quietly just saying, well, it's not for me. Maybe it works for some people. And some people sit there and they say, man, if only I knew more about God, if I knew more about the Bible, maybe I could pray better and I can actually pray the way that we read in the Bible and we, we think that we're not capable. We think that We think that our prayers don't reach God the way that prayers of others do. But church, it is time to start seeing the power of God in your life. If you have accepted Christ, if you, call, if you say you are a believer in Christ, you, you've accepted him, you're a child of God, and you are not experiencing the power of God in your life, it's time that you make a decision today to say, no, no, I want, I want to live in the power of God. I want to live experiencing the power of God. 
Today is the time, it's time to start seeing the power of God in our church. Do you know how many people in our church are sick? Do you know how many people in our church are bound? Do you know how many people in our church are going through marital situations? you know how many people in our church are struggling with their walk with God right now, still doubting some of the things as far as like, well, is God really God? There's people in our church doubting the sovereignty of God. I spoke to a good friend of mine last week friend that we grew up together, we went to church together. And, uh, you know, I had mentioned to him, like, yo, are you, are you going anywhere? Uh, you know, I'm, I, I know I'm going to get back into it. I know, I know, I know I'm supposed to. I don't want people to come to church because you think you're supposed to. That's not why I want you here. You should be going to church on Sundays because you have a, a, a deep down desire to want to be in the presence of God, to hear more about him, to learn, to worship with your brothers and sisters, to get equipped so that you can go out into the mission field, which is your everyday community. He says, I'm just struggling. I'm struggling to believe the things that they told us as we were growing up. I'm struggling to really, to, to really believe that, yeah, God, this, all this stuff is real. And I'm like, bro, don't you remember the things that we've been through? Like the things that God has done in our lives? Don't you remember the power of God? I mean, that, that, that wasn't just like, you know, that didn't just show up. You know, we grew up in a <clears throat> very Pentecostal world. Very, very Pentecostal world. And, and they were, you know, there were some days that you could not walk out and be like, that was just fake. You would be like, wow. Wow. And we experienced that together. And I said, don't you remember? He's like, ah, I just, I, I just still struggle. And one of the reasons why he struggled is because he's a very logical person. It's got to make sense. The numbers got to match up, line up. The information has to be on point. And so what happens is he struggles because he can't have faith in something that he doesn't see. He can't have faith in something he doesn't understand because the numbers don't line up. Why is it that the Word of God tells us to have faith so many times? It's to believe in something you can't see. It's to believe in something that doesn't make sense. We want to see, we want to see the chain, we want to see freedom from the chains of sin. It starts with prayer. We want to experience revival, it starts with prayer. We want to see our loved ones saved, it starts with prayer. Today can be the day that you say, I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry, God. I repent. Sorry that I allowed my own knowledge and logic from keeping me reaching out to you. Sorry that, that I've lacked faith. Sorry that, that I, I, I thought I didn't need you. Sorry, God. Today can be the day that you say those things. And as I'm speaking, the, the prayer team, can you guys come up? And Wilma, can you do me a favor? On my desk next to the phone, there's a little 
oil, those little thingy of oil. Dennis, can you can you can you be a part of this? Today can be the day. Can be today can be the day that it all changes. That you can say, Lord, I want you to be active in my every aspect of my life. I want you to control everything. I want to surrender everything to you, all my feelings, all my emotions. I want to give it to you, God, today. I want to have a daily relationship with you, and I want to experience the power of God in my life. Today can be the day that you make that decision. And I don't want you to leave without making that decision today. So the altar is open. The altar is open. And these are elders and leaders of the church, and they are going to pray for you. They're going to lay their hands on you. Father, we are here with you today. And we are making a decision today to say, Lord, enough is enough of me trying to control my life. I'm going to surrender it all to you. I'm going to surrender it all to you. And we are going to pray today that you set us free, that you heal us. There is healing in store for you today. There is freedom from the things that have kept you bound today. If you are struggling with giving your life over, complete surrender to God. We want to pray with you today. If you lack faith, we want to pray with you today. If logic and knowledge is running your life, we want to pray with you today. If you're sick, we want to pray with you today. If you're going through hardships in life, we want to pray with you today. If you want to just praise him for who he is, we want to pray with you today. Father God, if you're standing here in our church today, this morning, and you have not made a decision to say, Lord, I surrender my life to you. Come into my heart. You are the Son of God. You died on the cross, and on the third day you rose and you defeated death. Be my Lord and Savior. If you have not, if you have not committed your life to God, then today... I invite you to the altar to do so. And please, please, let us know that that's what you're doing. Father God, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.